0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. One of the amazing things about the opportunity to host the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast is I get to meet and interview extraordinary people who have done extraordinary things, and in today's guest case, helping others do extraordinary things. Steve Rogers has worked his way up through a real estate agent, real estate manager, up to the CEO of one of Warren Buffett's real estate companies, doing 25 billion in annual sales, 40,000 transactions, 4,600 agents, starting and running his own successful real estate company after that, and collaborating with some of the elite minds in the country. After that, Steve moved on and took an entrepreneurial path and today we're going to explore both of those the journey through the corporate world and how it led him to starting his own business the alchemy advisors steve thanks for being here today i appreciate it
1: hey adam my pleasure thanks i enjoy what you're doing and uh, i i'm glad to be a part of it
0: that's awesome tell us just a little bit about not only the full journey but but just some of the what was going on as you were working your way up in the corporate world and that was a past that was very beneficial to you and you were very successful but then making the turn at a point in your career to say you know what i want to do something on my own can you give us a little snippet of that
1: sure i mean my early days from a teenager up to my middle 20s i was in the hotel restaurant industry and you know did everything from white tables to bartend to manage private country clubs, dinner theaters. So I really got a taste for service, long hours, multitasking, low-margin stuff, but it really taught me the, the essence of hustle and of uh, serving others. Uh, from that, I went into sales, and I realized I was a pretty good salesman, but I still had this desire to, to be I – ha- I had this natural leadership ability that I had from – I was in third grade, you know, kind of directing kids around in school in my third grade class. My mom always told me I kind of was a bossy leader at a younger age – over the years, I hopefully, I've channeled that into a more diplomatic approach. Um, but when I got into sales, I realized it was rewarding, but it wasn't fulfilling in the way that I'd wanted it to be. And in the management piece, at least in restaurant business, I was really enjoying leadership, but it was just a very low-paying type industry for me at the time. Um, so I went from sales into management and worked with a company called Prudential California Realty uh, starting in the early 1990s. And, um, you know, that led to uh, them realizing also that my sales abilities was great, but they were always looking for more leaders. So one thing led to another. I ended up taking over a uh, real estate office and, uh, in the Rancho Santa Fe market in California. Uh, and then that led to more offices and more leadership. And then the path just continued to grow. That was a company that at the time was a franchise under the financial uh, insurance system. So it was owned by an entrepreneur here in San Diego, and we were not yet, quote, corporate. Uh, we were still at that level that we were maybe three or 400 people, uh, a budding, growing entrepreneur under a franchise. And so we weren't yet at that level that I considered myself being part of a big corporate company. But I knew that I had opportunity within this group, and I knew if I worked hard and I did the right things and I helped drive revenue and I helped recruit and I helped learn the, the product that would help be of value to others, i.e. buyers and sellers or i.e. agents, I knew that I could have a path to kind of write my own ticket. And that ended up happening. Um, and so I just kept climbing through that process, no matter whether I was a manager or a regional manager, and then I eventually became the the, uh, the general manager and then the president and the COO. And then along the way, that company grew quite large to some of the numbers that you just threw out. I mean, we grew from hundreds of agents to thousands of agents uh, and had a lot of great talent along the way. And then Warren Buffett bought that company, and then I worked under the Warren Buffett structure for seven of those 15 years I was at that company. And just it became a continual learning process, reduplicating what I'd learned being a waiter or a bartender or a general manager, I just converted it over to a much higher ticket price of helping people sell houses. So it was a, a great uh, journey to reduplicate my skills uh, in a different environment.
0: That's, it's so interesting you say that, that you were able to use the same skills in two very different environments. Was that something that was inherent and just happened, and, and you were able to transition that? Or did you learn that along the way through somebody pointing it out or through seeing success and having an an aha moment?
1: You know, that's a great question. It was really a combination of both. I mean, I'm a guy that always realized I had to learn more at the ground level and in the trenches than I did from an academic route. I kept trying to, you know, be a good kid in school and a good student in school, and I was an okay student. I was never a great student, and I'm a guy that, quite frankly, barely graduated high school, and then I went on to do a few years of community college, but I never actually ended up getting a college degree. It just was not my thing. Uh, but I was very driven and very rebellious. I moved out of my house when I was 17 years old and went out into the way of the world and realized I had to figure out how to pay my rent and pay my electric bill and pay my car payment. So I knew that that meant learning, all you know, the stuff we talked about earlier, hard work and learning from others. So I was very, very inquisitive. I sought other people who were doing what I wanted to do, and I asked them to show me or I followed what they did or I copied what they did. And then um, later, you know, after being a teenager into my early 20s, mid-20s, I started seeking coaches, and I started going to self-improvement classes and workshops, and I really helped people help me, you know, figure out what I, what I did well and what I didn't so, do so well. And then I did realize, yes, when I was in the restaurant business and realized when I was a general manager and I realized I had to learn to bartend, wait tables, be a chef, be a sous chef, uh, be a maitre d', be a banquet manager, because many times there was problems in those departments or divisions. And if I was going to learn to be an effective overall general manager, I knew that I had to know how to do those things, even though I wouldn't do them on a daily basis. So when I went into real estate, I had that same mindset, that um, I had to really learn every aspect of the business that I could and then focus on which part of it I was best at.
0: And, and he, obviously it turned out that that management leadership was something that that you were best at and it's interesting when when you're a realtor on the ground and for those of us that have either bought or sold a house we get to see the the life of a real estate agent but when you're the executive it's a very different world how are you able to use those skills to build a business while keeping the day-to-day client in mind
1: yeah that's another great question um What I did is I always looked at everybody that I interacted with, whether it was an employee, a manager, a vendor, I always looked at them as my customer. So when I was a waiter or a bartender, every time someone came in, my job was to make their experience the best it could possibly be and made sure that they left whatever encounter they had with me feeling better about the time they just spent with me, whether it was five minutes or two hours. So I'd use that mindset of being a servant leader, and I incorporated that servant leader mindset. And so as I was trying to grow and become a multitasking, multi-level Leader, I realized I could only get the results that I wanted to empowering others to do what they wanted to do and what they needed. And that meant serving and being of a customer service in mind. And the more I got people on the the page to learn what they needed, what they wanted, what made them tick, what their needs and wants were, and where their talents and strengths and dreams were, the more I realized I was a puzzle maker. My, My goal then became to figure out how this puzzle of this company that I was, whether it was a division or a region or an office or a company, I realized that people were the pieces of the puzzle that were the magic that made all of that work. And my job was to have enough vision above that to keep my head at a high level, at a 50,000-foot level to see the vision, but to be able to bop down to the trenches in the weeds to be able to be there when I needed so I can understand the process and then be an accordion back and forth between those things in the appropriate allocated time to make whatever results I was trying to accomplish.
0: And as an entrepreneur, especially when you started your business, The Alchemy Advisors, and by the way, go to thealchemyadvisors.com alchemyadvisors.com. And uh, you can get a chapter of Steve's book, Led to Gold. Um, when most people are wearing many, many hats when they're starting a business. And so we have to be the accordion that you just mentioned. How, I guess, easy was it for you to transition into that many hats role coming from running a large organization?
1: Yeah, it was, it was easy when I realized I really had to chunk things in times, and I was not a really specific scheduler and, and tracker and measuring. I was more go from my gut, go from my heart, you know, manage within the moment. But I realized part of, you know, being part of, as I continue to grow, I realized everything needed to be tracked and measured. And I realized learning even that in the the restaurant business. I mean, when we had to do inventory and we had to track, you know, alcohol use or food inventory, I realized, okay, I got to track and measure, I got to track and measure. And so when I went into the real estate space, also in my number of calls that I made, number of contacts I made prospect. And I, I know you do a lot with people on lead generation and digital marketing and social media, and that's all about attracting and then, you know, checking your conversion and checking your result and checking your RI. So I realized as I had to do that with time that if I was going to be this multitasking leader, that I had to chunk my ideal, what I was trying to accomplish in the year, and then I backed into it. What am I trying to accomplish for the year with, in the division, within the company, within my own personal goals, and then I backed that into my, my goals into monthly, ideal monthly calendar ideal weekly calendar, and ideal daily calendar that had the task of the things that would make those end results happen. And then I just did chunks of time, and I realized that one of the other things I had to learn to do as a leader, even though I was working on being a servant leader mind, I also had to learn the power of saying no. And when I said no, it was meaning, no, I'm not, not, not the right person to help you with this, but I can refer you to so-and-so who can So I had to learn the power of no, I had to learn the power of calendaring, the powering of schedule, and the power of accountability and tracking and measuring. And within that, my time funnel of my own personal time and effort in my personal and professional life had to go through that, and still does, has to go through that funnel for me to have a working life that that fits my outcome.
0: So for you, you had to use your time in in order to find better ways to use your time.
1: That's correct exactly that was my commodity and that's everybody's commodity so i yeah. realized if it, if it wasn't on my calendar it didn't usually get focused on and if it was important enough to do then it should be on my calendar and it should have an allotted amount of effort and time and preparation before and after that depending on whatever sm- smaller big thing that might have been and then it becomes the power of delegation luckily as i continue to climb the corporate ladder i then was lucky enough to have you know, team members and staff and, you know, an executive assistant. Eventually, you know, my at the peak when we had, you know, 110 offices in Southern California, I even had a driver. So I had an executive assistant driver that would drive me from L.A. to San Diego or from San Diego to the central coast of California. And I made use of my time in the back of my town car that was being driven. And even though people thought it looked like a luxury, oh, how cool you get to be driven around. Well, every five minutes of that drive was being incorporated to be on conference calls, to be doing research, to be turning emails, to do planning for my speech or wherever I might be going. So it was a complete use of monetizing the time that I had to get the results again that I was looking for for the company or for myself.
0: And so, and so for those of us, maybe we don't have a driver, but we still have those blocks of time that we're, we have work to do, but we're not taking advantage of it. And that was one way you found to take advantage and use that time to its greatest benefit. Correct. In, in your book, Lead to Gold, which I had the opportunity to read recently, uh, Steve and I met a couple of years ago. I had his book, and and I took it with me on a long vacation as I was sitting by the beach. And there was a really poignant part of the story where you're standing in the rain, having a, a call on a payphone of all things with your wife, and you said to, and you said. You knew you had to turn yourself into an entrepreneur. What was going through your mind in that line and and that that phone call?
1: Well, thanks for reading the book and the chapter. I appreciate that.
0: That was <laughs> after welcome. I
1: had that was that was after I had climbed the corporate ladder and being in a corporate company for 15 years, and then the meltdown of the real estate market happened in 27208, and part of my task of being a CEO was closing pretty much half of the company and firing people left and right and closing about 40 of our 100 offices. And then a week before Christmas in 2008, they came in and I got fired. So I found myself out on the street, and I realized when that happened – um, you know, here 15 years of my life and energy and effort helping build a company uh, was now for naught. And I'm sure people on the call have either known of someone who's been fired, or maybe they have been fired personally. And it's not a great feeling, believe me. I mean, whether you get fired in a relationship and you, you get you lose your 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 romantic partner, or you lose your business partner or a partnership, it's never a great feeling. Uh, and many many things go through your mind. But it was a pouring down rain day, which is not usual in California. They had to take my cell phone and my laptop and all my stuff. My car happened to be in the shop that day, so I had a loaner car. So literally, I did. I pulled over the side of the road and wondered if they even made pay phones anymore and stopped at an AM, PM and called my wife from a pay mo- pu- phone and said, honey, are you up for a big adventure? Uh, as her voice started cracking and the tears started, and I said, look, they didn't fire a CEO. They just burst an entrepreneur. Uh, and so I realized in that moment, I had to make an immediate shift, and, and that's part of what Lead to Gold is about. My company... Alchemy Advisors really helps people focus on transitioning and transforming and evolving. And sometimes a brick upside the head is exactly the jolt and the power you need to propel you into your next level of life, even if you thought the level of life you're at right now is exactly where you're supposed to be. So I had to do some convincing to my wife that that was actually a good thing, and that being an entrepreneur was something that was on our horizon together, which was a whole other conversation, as, as many of you know that have spouses or partners. They don't always see things at the same way you do at the same moment and in the same way, and they have their own view of it. But luckily, that's worked out fine and well, and you know we've been married 28 years and continue to support each other on our path. So um, it, it, it was a mindset. It was a mindset and continues to be a mindset uh, in my life that way.
0: It, 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 it's, it's amazing because I, I've had those moments with my wife and, and she stuck through me. And, and a lot of people that are listening either don't like their jobs or they're, they're, they're not having the success in their entrepreneurial journey that they're hoping for. And, and they're listening for nuggets of, of, um, of wisdom from people like you. So thank you for sharing that and, and how you overcame it. Now, now you went from the working for Warren Buffett and his company, the transition out of that job, and I, I know that you, you took some time, you made some phone calls, you found out who your friends were now that your, your lifestyle was a little bit different now that you weren't the CEO of a large company, and you went back into real estate for a few years, but then you transitioned into becoming a business and personal coach. Why did you do that?
1: Yeah, that's a great, another great question, but I did. I ran my own real estate company for five years, so about a month after I got fired, um, I had a, many people that wanted to follow me, and I and I called in some old relationships and friends and people that I hoped would be supportive, and half were and half weren't, and so that was fine, but we uh, ended up creating a company that had about 500 real estate agents in about 12 months, and we were the fifth largest real estate company in San Diego and thought everything was humming along, and it was, but... Um, there were some bumps along the road towards the business, which happened, which was fine as any business does. But my wife had a life-threatening, unexpected, um, you know, near-death experience—not uh, cancer anything related. that was long coming. It was a very, very minor surgery that she went in that turned into be a nightmare, and she almost bled to death on the table. And uh, they had to, you know, put her in an induced coma. So she was literally in the hospital for a month. Um, you know, she had a long recovery of just things that had happened to her body based on all the blood loss and different things that happened. But it really made me, you know, from one day to the next, the day before that happened, everything was important and every text and every phone call that I was getting, it seemed like I had to take. Well the next day when your wife's in the hospital and they're wondering if she's going to survive, none of that is important in the least sense at all and you realize life is a very different perspective. So it allowed me to do some real soul searching. So after she came back to health and things were on a path, I really did, what do I really want to do when I grow up? dig deeper dive than I had done of previous years when I got fired and I realized that I really wanted to branch out and become more evolved on helping people find more purpose and find a higher meaning and, and it's not that I couldn't have done that through real estate because I did and that's how I created some of my success but I had this inner calling and this inner I call it my higher power and I call it God and I call it the universe and I call it the magic of all that but <clears throat> I was having this yearning that I knew eventually I wanted to go write a book, and I knew eventually I wanted to run a consulting coaching company, and I wanted to speak and travel the world and meet other cultures and other businesses, and I wanted to do things outside of real estate, and I realized there's no day like the present. So after my wife got healed up and her and I had some deep talks, I decided to phase out of my real estate company and, 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 and uh, work with my partners to phase that down and sell parts of it and, and figure it out. And then I launched, I wrote Lead to Gold, I started Alchemy Advisors, and now I work with people that are outside of real estate, I'm inside of real estate. Um, I worked, you know, this last year I was in Manila, Australia, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, uh, Thailand, and I really was able to maximize part of my dream to a reality, and it became something that just became a have-to. It, w- it became a have-to versus a want-to.
0: Wow wow in your journey you you've met some amazing people we mentioned that you work for warren buffett and i'm sure there's there's things that you learn there but part of your inner circle through the speaking that you've done and and the books that you wrote and the events that you get to attend you get to and um and marshall goldsmith so thought leaders uh, of today, people that are that are big in the development, the personal development world. What have you learned? What lessons have you been able to take away that you can share with the audience?
1: Yeah, and, and these have been some amazing people. Have just been great gifts in my life. And part of them I met when I was climbing the corporate ladder, and I hired them as speakers or coaches, or you know, I was on panels with them, and I stayed in touch with them. But what I learned about all of these people, and still to this day, and in, involved with you know them as we speak, is that they have found a way to take their talent and their skills and their knowledge and to maximize it by showing up and giving it to others in a very deep way. So um, I learned, again, that thing I was talking about earlier about being of service and being of value. Most people that I've met that are of wealth or of means, and I've been of wealth and lost all my wealth and had to gain it again. And, 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 and so I understand what it's like to not have money and to have money. So And I did not come from money. Uh, and like I said, I moved out of my house when I was 17 and had to struggle for many, many, many years to get on path. But whether it's Marshall Goldsmith or Brian Tracy or John Asaroff or whomever it might be, is they realize not only for themselves, but other people they have worked with, when people get to a certain level of success, many people go, is this all there is? I, I thought it was going to be different. I thought I was going to feel different. Is there something in this? And usually what's beyond that is really being of value to others and contributing to others. So all these people you mentioned earlier, they're learning how to do that in their life at a deeper way, and they're doing it at a more magnitude way of being of value and being of service to others and, and really helping people find their own inner purpose. And that's where they're finding fulfillment, and that's why I think they're maximizing their own success.
0: And 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 deep down, they're, they're just people that, like everybody else, they meet. They've just found something of benefit and of value, like you said. And I think we yeah. all have that in us, but but maybe we don't know that we are valuable to others. So, how do you think about like your mindset and when you were when you had forty six hundred agents and and you had to to coach and mentor them and, and help them in their journeys? And now with your current clients, how do you help them understand that there's extreme value within them that they can be delivering to others?
1: Yeah, well, and that's a, you know, that's part of finding the mindset of believing in your own self-value and your self-worth. And if you, first for me, that's tapping into whatever your higher power is. And you don't have to call your higher power God. It can be nature, it can be your family, it can be, you know, whatever it would be. It can be whatever you call it. But if you believe something higher than yourself, if you believe that exists, then you believe and can find that there's power in that that you can tap into, whether it's subconscious, whether it's superconscious, whether it's you know universal thinking. And then from that, I believe that we're all here for a reason. And if you believe that you are here for a reason and you have purpose and you have value, then you can figure out what does that look like and what does that mean. And I do daily mantras. I do affirmations. I do all the goals. But I say to myself every day, whether I'm running or whether I'm in my car driving, I, you know, I say, I am worthy to God. I am a value to God. I am worthy to my family. I am, a, I am a value to them. I am worthy and value to my clients. I am worthy and valuable to my community. I am worthy and valuable to this world and this society. So I constantly am telling myself that so that I continually believe it because I have dark days and nights that like everyone else does in the world, we get this negative self-talk. So I do self-affirmations. And then I, when you're being of service to others and you realize that you're getting back more than you're giving, that also helps do it. But I also have something I call my four B's, which is a daily tracking system of your body, your being, your bonds, and your business. And I talk about this in the book, and I'm just trying to get a point a day in those categories of my life. And I'm doing, if I'm doing something on a daily basis, like I became a vegan three years ago, so I'm a vegan, I work out daily, I meditate, I get a point for that, I type a scorecard. For my bonds, that's a relationship with my friends, my family, my external friends and family, business, et cetera. So it explains in the book, but I'm just trying to, to realize that those categories of my life need to be nourished each and every day, not once in a while, not once a month, not once a quarter, but every single day, I am myself and with my clients saying, what are you doing today to work on your body, your being, your bonds, and your business? And when you're doing that, then you do realize you are of value and you are your own best client. So what I had to do when I started my consulting practice, I said, "Look, I'm my first client and I'm my most important client. And if I were giving my client advice, what would I want them to do? And I'd want them to be on their top premium body, being bonds and business. So that's some ways that I use to, you know, use tools to trick my mind until it believes it. And then I do things that make it on a daily basis practice that in rituals and uh, results that make those things reinforced.
0: Uh, I I love the four B's and, and I love the to be your own best client. I actually wrote that down um, when I was reading the book as something that that many of us and, and myself included a, as a coach and I help people with marketing and, you know, sometimes my own marketing fails because I'm focused on helping my clients do it, but I'm not being my own best client. So I love that you said that and and for those listening, um, whether it, it's the four B's that that Steve uses or whether it's your own three or four, something else, if you keep that daily scorecard, one, it makes you remember it, and two, you get fulfillment and you get to say, nice, I accomplished today. Is that sense of accomplishment something that really helps keep you going in each of those four categories?
1: It does, because I you know, I have found that as human beings, we all are looking for validation and recognition. We all want to be heard. We all want to be loved. We all want to be understood. And I think at the end of the day, we all want to make a contribution. So if you're realizing that on a daily basis for yourself, you are, contri- you are tracking in some way, measuring what you believe your contribution was to the immediate world in which you live in, you will also start realizing the more you track and measure that, the more you're going to get recognized from others that you are being of value in their life. And it's not so much that you're looking for brownie points and you're looking for people to kiss your ass. I mean, I guess there's a sense of part of that in there because we all have an ego, but it really becomes a a deeper level of that, that by doing these things and focusing on serving others and and using your gifts as talents to really help others, you know, do more of what they want to do through your gifts and talents, you do realize that you get this sense of fulfillment, that this warm feeling in your heart and a warm feeling in your soul that is creating joy. Um, and I think that we all want to be happy, and if you ask people what do you want to do in life and what do you want for your kids and family, most people say I want them to be healthy and happy. And that's great. Healthy and happy is wonderful, and I think if you're not healthy, the rest of it doesn't matter. But beyond happiness, I'm looking for joyfulness. I'm looking for bliss. I'm not just looking for happiness because happiness is fleeting. But if you're digging down and finding real ways in your life to find fulfillment through the ups and downs and the bitter sweetness of life, that you're finding ways to create joy, and to create bliss through being of service to others and fulfilling your own purpose and talent, that's where I find that it becomes more deep and more fulfilling.
0: From everything you're saying saying and talking about and everything you've done, obviously you're, you're very introspective and you're always looking for a, a better Steve. And you ask yourself questions. And I remember in your book you, you said as, as um, you were on a trip and you were in a beautiful place and you were staring, I believe it, at the water, and you asked yourself, what do I really want? And in, in, along those lines, what do you think the most important question each listener should be asking themselves right now on their path?
1: Yeah, and, 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 I, and I believe that the depth of that question is, what do I really want, why do I want it, and what am I going to do with it when I have it? And so I think that there's this deeper level, and you're right, I'm always intros- introspective of trying to figure out how to be the best Steve I can be, because I believe we're all put on the planet here to do that. But I think if we're constantly asking ourselves the why of what we want, and then what we're going to do with it when we have it, and realize that that is also fleeting. Another thing I talk about in the book is when I finally became the CEO, and I sat in a chair that day, and I was swiveling around at the desk with the big glass windows, and kind of smiling ear to ear like a Cheshire Cat, like after all these years, I finally became the CO. There was this big booming voice that came over my shoulder and was like almost somebody in the room that said, this still isn't it. And I was like, what? Like I thought I had gotten to Nirvana. Like that was going to be, once I hit that, boom, I was there. But what it made me realize is that, you know, I'm not the first one to come up with these quotes, but it's, you know, it's not about the destination, it's the journey it's always continually evolving. So it's always the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But if you're not living present in the present moment of evolving yourself to your next highest level, then you you really get uh, in what I call the drift. And if you get in the drift, it's when we start resting on our laurels, we become stagnant, and we become safe. And so, yes, I continually ask people to challenge themselves. There's another book that I read many years ago that I love. It's by Robert, Robert Kriegel. I think it is, and his book is called If It Ain't Broke, Break It. Um, and it, what I love about that is most people say the opposite. Well, if it ain't broke, don't break it. I'm one of those people, and not everyone is like that or wants to be like that, is I am continually looking to say, okay, is this is this fulfilling enough? Is this what my higher power wants for me? And, and am I challenging myself to be my best self? And in that area of my life, if the answer is yes in that moment, then I'll go on to another area of my life and say, is this area of my life at my best? And so, yes, that gives me a yearning no matter if I'm 35 or 45 or I just turned 55, you know, I I still have this mindset like I've always felt like I was 40 years old. Like from the time I was 20, I felt like I was 40. When I was 40, I felt like I was 40. When I was 50, I felt like I was 40. I don't know why, but this snapshot in life of my knowledge, my wisdom, my skills, my energy, that I feel like a very vibrant 40-year-old. And I'm hoping when I turn 70 or 80 that I still feel like I'm this vibrant, wise, ready-to-go, 40-year-old who continues to evolve in body, being, bonds, and business.
0: Well, thank you for that, and thank you for the, the nuggets of wisdom and for sharing your story. It, it, it Your life is covered so much in, in the corporate world and in being an entrepreneur and in succeeding as an entrepreneur. So thank you for sharing that with our audience today. I really appreciate your time.
1: You're welcome, Adam. Thank you so much, and keep doing what you're doing. And you're right, if, you, if people want to go to my, my site, thealchemyadvisors.com they can get a free chapter and if they private message me on either LinkedIn or Facebook and let me know that they uh, got it or just shoot me an email I will send them over the attachments that are bonuses that go with that book That are some worksheets that help on some of the things we just talked about and if there's any issue at all with the site or there's a glitch in anything again you can get to me on LinkedIn or Facebook and I'll make sure my assistant gets it over to you if there's any glitches and any anything that might happen
0: thank you that's a great offer appreciate it and thanks everyone for listening to Steve Rogers, hopefully you go to his website, The Alchemy Advisors, and download that chapter of, of the book um, and hopefully buy the whole book because it's, it's really an amazing story and a um, great opportunity to learn. Thanks, Steve.
1: All right. Thank you much. Thanks, everybody.
0: You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com.